Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy. It's something that a lot of parents want to know about. They've been hearing about it from their therapists or the stuff they're reading or listening to about OCD. And I've never done a podcast on it because I am not an ACT specialist. I don't practice ACT, although I'm starting to realize that I do and I didn't even know that I did. But I definitely wanted to bring on someone who is more of an act expert than me. And so I have invited my friend and colleague, Dr. Patricia Zarita Ona to the show. I like to refer to her as Dr. Z. And she and I connected a while ago. She reached out to me and wanted some guidance and had been listening to my work. And as I learned more about her, I realized that she's a phenomenal person. She has authored multiple books. She is the author of soon to be released the act workbook for teens with OCD unhook yourself and live life to their fullest. But she's also co-authored quite a few books. She is the author of mind and emotions. She also is the author of parenting a troubled teen using acceptance and commitment therapy. She has written a book called escaping the emotional roller coaster act for the emotionally sensitive. So, and I think she has another book coming out later this year, um, for act with adults. So she's prolific. Look at all the stuff she's written. She is also in private practice. She's a licensed clinical psychologist in California, and she is also on the faculty of the Wright Institute, which I didn't realize that she was. And so there's a lot about Dr. Z. I did not know, but she is down to earth. She is funny and she has very creative ways of teaching people how to beat anxiety and OCD. So when I decided I wanted to do a podcast on ACT, she was absolutely the first person I thought about inviting on because she always has a great perspective and she's written many books on the topic. So without further ado, here is Dr. Z. Well, I want to welcome Patricia to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be talking to you about what ACT. Yeah, and you're the perfect person to talk to because one, you're my dear friend. And so I really appreciate your insight. And ACT is one of those things that I really have not been able to like fully master or wrap my head around. And, and that's really, I feel like where you come in, I feel like you bring some clarity to it. So whenever I have an ACT question, you're the person I reach out to because you get act on such a deep level and you can simplify it where I feel like I don't get that simplification from other people. So I have had a lot of parents reach out to me and ask me, what's this whole thing about act? What is this? Um, They don't understand it. They're hearing more about it. I think as the OCD community is starting to really embrace act is starting to hit mainstream and it's starting to hit the parents and they're starting to hear about it. So I thought it would be cool to have you come on and maybe talk about, in general terms, what ACT is, and then we'll move into like how, how parents can use this with their kids or their therapist can use it with their kids um, as well as with ERP. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, um, let me say that I'm just blushing with all those kind words here. I don't know if you can see that. 
<laughs> on my face. <laughs> but thank you so much. It means a lot to me that um, that you see me as an art expert. And and I think um, you're completely right. Many times I know when I was learning art, I went to many workshops and I had these incredible experiences, but I didn't know how to translate it in an uncomplicated, jargon-free and unpretentious way. Um, so I think that we have so much work to do in terms of making that accessible in a way that it's easy and applicable to people. Um, so let me just tell you a little bit where ACT is coming from. So basically, ACT, as you know, it stands for Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. And it was developed by Steve Hayes, Kirk Strozal, and Kelly Wilson. And they developed ACT in the 80s. At the time in which CBT was heavy into you have to change your thinking, you have to change your thoughts, and you have to get rid of anxiety, we did have incredible studies and research showing how CBT, and especially doing this cognitive change, was highly effective. But there was a lot of people um, years later struggling again, either with anxiety, having panic attacks again, or feeling depressed. And that's when people start questioning what's happening here. So acceptance and commitment therapy over the years try to blend behaviorists with mindfulness. Um, and why is that? It's because we are acknowledging that we don't have control of how we think. We think what we think. We feel what we feel. We sense what we sense. Um, every time we're trying to replace a thought or change the content of a thought, it may work sometimes a little bit, right? But then it's a matter of time that a thought is going to uh, pop up again. So what ACT does in a nutshell is trying to help you to have a new relationship with that type of thinking, with that type of thought, a new relationship with what you feel, and then notice that, look at what is really important to you, your values, how you want to show up to the world, how you want to show up to your kids, and then take action towards those values. So that is why it's very, it's a still a cognitive-based approach. It's definitely a behavioral-based approach, and people develop new ways of thinking. It just happens it's not in the process of changing them, but actually dancing differently with the thoughts or with any uncomfortable um, experience or yucky stuff that happens under people's skins. So that's a little bit what, how ACT is different, how it did actually start becoming bigger and bigger in the world. Yeah, that's a really good explanation because I think with CBT, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, we really do focus on somewhat at the negative, you know, like you're having this bad thought, what do you do with it? And then how do we get rid of it? So it's all kind of a a negative based thinking, which I think is important and crucial in attacking those thoughts. But then there's a a void, you know, there is this void of, well, then what, you know, what fills in that gap? And, and that's the beautiful part about ACT, you know, I'm starting to become an ACT believer. It really wasn't like... (laughs) Profession. I was like not gung ho on acts for a while. I'm like so set in my ways. I'm like an old fogey. I'm like, I know cognitive behavioral therapy and I know ERP exposure response prevention. And what's this acting and, and how is that going to really, I just can't, I don't have any capacity to like expand my knowledge, but it's been growing on me rather quickly, actually, as I've become friends with you, because <laughs> I realized that it really combines um, just a way of thinking and a way of living that that really benefits and supplements doing the other work. You know, that what, what do we value? What do we care about? What, what are we interested in? What is important in our life? So I, I love that aspect. I think that's big. In my opinion, you may have been doing act for quite a while. You just didn't know. <laughs> I know. Seriously. That's what I'm starting to have an epiphany about. That's true. I think a lot of us 
are doing act in many different ways. We just, we don't realize that that's what that is. I think so. I think, um, I know that one of the biggest difference, uh, in, if we think about how act applies for anxiety or OCD or social anxiety or depression, is exactly about what you're saying. Um, we do have all types of thoughts. I am defective, I'm broken, I am unlovable. And then we try to sometimes quickly either suppress the thought or think positive until it's a matter of time the thought is going to pop up again. And facing that, having the thought or having that unwanted obsession, right? Am I going to stuff my parents? Am I going to get contaminated? It's not easy. It's really tough work, right? Um, so in ACT, you try to anchor every single thing in your values, right? The question is, what will make it worth it for you to have that thought? What will make it worth it for you to actually do that exposure practice? In which way if you touch the doorknob with five fingers is going to make your life better? In which way if you eat that food that someone just, just touch or look at, right, is going to help you to be the person you want to be? So we anchor every single thing as towards your values or away from your values. So that's a frame that really takes setup in a different level, right? In a more human level, acknowledging that there is so much more than our struggling and there is a life to believe and it's not with our fears. So I think on that sense, you have been doing that a lot for years. Yeah, I, and I, that is true. And I think maybe hopefully a good um, OCD therapist is doing kind of an act-based thing without even maybe even realizing it because I always ask the kids that I work with when we start to outline things, what is really impacting your daily functioning? Like what thing, if you can get rid of it, you would be happy because you're like, great, I don't have to spend 20 minutes in the bathroom doing all these compulsions because I like to get ready and I like to relax and I like to have plenty of time to go to school. You know, so I think um, looking at how it's holding them back and what things they want, I think a, a good OCD therapist would do. But I do have to admit, when I was looking at your new workbook that's just coming out, when is it released? Is it released this week? It's going to be released in December. It's going to in be December. Okay. I didn't, real, I didn't know it was coming out in December, um, which is the ACT workbook for teens. Mm-hmm. So I was, I actually... I was lucky I got to review it. So I have already had a little sneak peek and it's in my office, but I do have to admit when I was reading it, I was, I saw the gaps in my own therapy. I saw where I could add more meat and I saw as a parent, the things that I could be doing and talking about with my kids that, that I don't do because a lot of parents will come to me and they'll talk about lack of motivation. That's like the number one thing that every parent talks to me about is my child's not motivated to work on their OCD or my child's not motivated to work on their anxiety and really act is the answer to that. Mm -hmm. We can tap into what drives them and act talks a lot about values, you know, like what is their value, which really is just a fancy word for what do they love? What is their passion? What's important to them? Um, Mm -hmm. So if you ever talk to anyone with act, I mean, you included, (laughs) they're going to talk about values, but that's what it means. And if we can find out what's driving and, and, um, making our kids passionate, then then that can help. For instance, I'll just go on a tangent for a second. Okay. You know, after reading your workbook, I realized that that's something I can use with my son. Um, he's not a teen, so the exercises are super awesome for teenagers. In fact, I think I'm going to use it to supplement my practice because I'm not I'm not an act therapist. But your workbook, you don't have to be a specialist in act to be able to apply this either to your kids at home or in your practice for those therapists who are listening. But 
I, with my son, he wants to be big. He wants to be tall. He wants to be strong. He wants to grow. And his OCD is around food and spitting food out and not getting calories. And, and so his value is to be strong and tall, but his OCD is, is blocking that. And so instead of talking to him about, you need to do your exposures, it's like your OCD or your like squishy as we call it, you know, is, is taking away from you being strong and tall, you know? And so when we do exposures, we are, we're, we're the importance of being big and tall is more important than this OCD. I think it makes a huge difference. Um, one of the things that I found working, um, working with families and as you know, I, um, so basically what I do, I see teenagers, children and adults every single day just doing, I do these intensive treatments for OCD and anxiety. So what I was encountering for years is that exactly what you were saying, parents were coming very stressed because the kid doesn't want to go to school, because the kid doesn't want to use the toilet, because the kid goes hours and hours confessing and telling them what they are doing, because the kid is afraid about being in front of the class. They are very motivated. The parents are doing their best, right? They have exhausted all resources at home, talking system, uh, rewards, uh, making threats, yelling, talking, you name it. They bring the kids to therapy and the kids don't want to do it. You know, so they have sometimes, they don't know what therapy is about or they have seen other therapies before and it was a disaster. So now all therapies are going to be a disaster. So I was actually at some point in my practice, I was getting a lot of those cases, families completely distressed coming and the kids and the teens, not happy campers, rather like, oh, get me out of here. Um, so that process at that time, I was all the time thinking, how can we make ERP more accessible to these kids? What can we do differently? Because I think we know that ERP is a frontline treatment and it works, right? We have seen many people actually blossoming in life. But then we do have kids, like exactly as you're saying, they're unmotivated and the parents are brutally stressed. So in that process, I was thinking, what can we do? And that's where I start thinking how art can contribute to this, this work. And my work, basically, I'm using what I call the choice point, which is basically... Um, it's basic, it's a graphic that I use, right? To capitalize how every time you get triggered with an obsession, an unwanted thought, or even a defective thought, you really have two choices. You can respond to the thought making your life better and showing up as the thing you want to be and doing the stuff you want to be doing, or you're going to do things that actually shrink your life, right? They're like the away moves. Um, when I start talking about the things about a choice, right? And no one is going to force them. No one is going to push them. That this is not about what mom and dad wants or any of the, um, um, yeah, any of the people raising them want. This is really about them checking when this fear shows up, how they want to respond. So before doing the exposure, we create a frame. I do some yoga postures with them in the room. To really? Yes, I do. <laughs> That's awesome. It's a little bit fun. So I do some of these balancing postures uh, because in, in these silly yoga exercises, even if it's a one minute, 30 seconds posture, you have to find your balance, right? To actually keep the posture going. And that's the choice that we make. I choose actually where I'm going to pay attention. I choose, you know, where I'm going to position my leg or my feet, right? Where I put my weight. So in life, it's exactly what happens. Every time I trigger, even though it's awful and I hate it, I have to find my own choice point to find the strength to say, no, I don't want that. I want that. 
So I create that frame and then we talk about the values. I talk about the stuff they care about. Um, and the kids are incredible when they have these conversations, right? They want to be big. They want to care for the environment. They want to be cool. They want to be kind. It's a very different conversation. And then we talk about how these obsessions are getting in the way, right? And then I introduce this choice point. But it was all really in response to when the kids are feeling too push, when the kids are feeling unmotivated, when the kids have already a terrible experience with therapy before, forcing them to do ERP is not going to work. So we have to have a different frame. And the frame that I have used is helping them to acknowledge and remember that they can choose that it's not about others, that they can choose because there are things that matter to them. So I think in that sense, ACT has really given me so much more movement in the work and the kids love it, right? I think the kids respond so well and they do, we basically do a choice point for every single exposure session. And in their own, they're still doing some exposures on the fly or micro exposures using the choice point. So for them, this idea that they are in charge, right? That they are the ones choosing because it matters to them, creates a very different angle for the treatment and for the things they want to be doing in life. Yeah. And, and I think putting the ownership on them in, a, in an empowering sort of way is really helpful because that's going to stick a lot longer than I have to do this because my mom said I have to versus really developing that, that philosophical belief system that OCD is not aligned with my values and OCD or anxiety is getting in the way of the things that I want to do. And so I'm going to choose the things I love because that's more important to me. So I'm wondering if you could, because some of this can definitely feel abstract to parents, I'm sure. They're kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This all sounds really great and like kumbaya-ish, you know, like, but how do you actually, how do you apply that? So I wonder if you can just give us like a generic example of like, a struggle that a child would have, and then how ACT would come into it? <laughs> we can do two things. Right? I definitely can, can walk you through to maybe a, a specific scenario, how we look like, and maybe we can do also an exercise. Because um, I think that will be helpful. I think, again, as we were talking at the beginning, there is so much, um, I think there is so much misconceptions and mysticism about ACT, right? But at the end, it's a, it's a behavioral therapy, it just happens that it's anchor on values and then we help people to step back and to watch the thoughts instead or, or to watch the feelings instead of being consumed by them. Um, so let me just, which one do you want first? Maybe we do an exercise and then I talk about the case or I talk about situation and then the exercise. Uh, let's talk about a case first so we can just get a concrete idea of it and then the exercise would be awesome. Got it. Okay. So the last, let's think, for example, you have a, a kid that has aggressive obsessions and is afraid about stabbing the parents. The kid watches a movie and then the next day wake up petrified. What if I stab my parents? I can do it. I may do it, right? That's the obsession. Okay, and that's a good one. That's a, so. Yeah, it's a very common one, right? It's a very common one and we see that a lot, right? Um, so then the avoidance will be that the kid doesn't want to spend time with the parents, doesn't want to be in the kitchen when they are knives, um, it's always checking, is mom okay, is dad okay, making sure that no that he didn't do anything, right? Or checking, did I push my mom, right? Did I do something weird, right? Um, so that will be the avoid as an compulsion. Um, my client used to, let's say, pray at night, you know, for multiple hours. Oh, my client was also blinking just to neutralize some of this fear that was coming. 
Um, so that will be that, the presentation of OCD, right? So with ACT, the first thing that we will do is really uh, map a little bit the OCD obsessions and compulsions. I still use the white box to look at the severity of these symptoms, but also look at how the kid or the teen is dancing internally with the struggle. Uh, because sometimes we have more flexibility, sometimes we're like, ah, with the fit, right? So I'm checking both things. How do you see this showing up? And also use some measurement to check how he's responding to these internal uncomfortable experiences. Um, I use that measurement. And then we talk about all the cool stuff you want to be doing. I usually do two or three values exercises. Um, I imagine the kids... Um, I invite the kids to imagine that there is a 21 birthday and people are celebrating their birthday and people are given speeches. What will they want their best friend to say? What will they want their parents to say? What will they want a teacher that is important to them say? So they write down the speeches and they will look at anything that may have come up, right? How they want to be perceived by others in the world, which is what's important for them about that. Um, I also ask the, te- ask the kids or the teens if they have any other person that they really look up to. And it can be like a soccer player. I learned about Kevin Durant, for example. My client was really big into Kevin Durant, right? Um, or any, any other politician, right? Another kid was totally big into Obama. So I think you name it. It can be, I ask about a person that they look up to and we talk about what are the qualities a person has that really makes the team admire them. So we talk about that. That's another values exercise. I do another one in which I tell them, imagine that you give an email and this email said that you only have two more days to be on this planet. So what would you be doing with those 48 hours? What, you know, what, what would you really like to spend your time on? So usually after those three values exercises, we look at all the things, right, about the qualities that the team wants to do. Um, what is unique about ACT is the way that we're thinking because it's a behavioral therapy. We think about values as ongoing actions, like being loving, being cool, being real, being kind, being protective, right? And then we talk about what are the steps they can be doing to actually live those values. Um, and the kids usually come with really cool ideas. Okay, I can go to visit my grandma, I can write this. And they identify maybe three or five behaviors along those values, right, in regard to those values. And, of course, we know that when they're actually doing the stuff that matters, the obsessions are going to show up, right? So then, then what we do is I teach them what we call diffusion exercises, or I also call them unhooking or detaching or watching these obsessions. So we do a bunch of them. Um, and basically, this, you know, the concept is diffusion exercises. It's really about watching the thoughts, looking at the thoughts for what they are. And I do a bunch of things like the obsession. We scramble the obsession. We write it down in the air. Uh, we save it aloud for 30 seconds. Uh, we sing the obsession to the happy birthday tune. Or I invite them to tell me what are their favorite songs. Um, and then we, see, we write a lyric with obsession. And when we sing it to that, we write it down in flashcards and we put it in our packets and we work with that. And then we do the exposure. So I teach them first how they can detach from the obsession and then we face the exposure. And then when we're doing the exposure practice, uh, for example, we invite them for this kid with the aggressive obsessions of stabbing the parents, right? We do regular things that we'll be doing in their life, which is maybe hanging out in the kitchen with their parents. So we do a home visit. And then we have the kid, you know, getting close to the knife. And when he's getting close to the knife and the parents are around, the obsession pops up, 
But instead of responding reactively to the obsession, then we say, okay, so which diffusion skill, which, which uncooking skill we can do? We can sing it. I can imagine a sleeps on the stream. I can say it aloud. I can drive it down on the air, right? So they do the diffusion in the middle of the exposure as a way to sit with this spot. And then we get closer and closer. So that's what is a little bit different with the other traditional ERP that we do, right? Because it's more chatty a little bit. It's more context-based. And it's definitely more process-based, right? Um, so they, and we, do, we still do massive exposures like holding knives, right? I have the kids sitting next to the parents with a knife in their lap, for example. But the process of doing the exposure, that's what's a little bit different. Because the kids are doing silly things. Okay, I'm riding on the air, right? I'm going to sing it. Um, we talk about the postures, right? I talk a lot about are you having, you know, the obsession or is the obsession having you? When the obsession is having them, it's like, oh, I have to power through this versus, okay, I'm making room for it, right? So we practice the posture too. And then, so basically every session, they're learning different diffusion exercises, different uncooking skills, and then they keep doing exposures over and over. So that's how the treatment looks like. We do a lot of massive exposures, but it's more chatty a little bit. Yeah. You could see a little bit of the difference. So there's a lot more work on the front end, um, really helping kids understand what their values are and how maybe their OCD or anxiety is getting in the way of that. I like the way you discover it too. So instead of just asking a child like, hey, what, what, what do you value? <laughs> I feel like the, every kid I work with would look at me like I had two heads. They'd be like, what? But I love the way you, those are really cool creative exercises to get them you can find the value based on those exercises, you know, who, who they admire, what people would say to them, you know, when they're like 21 or whatever, or if they only had two days on, on the planet, which I like the way that you say that instead of like to live, <laughs> like it's been very triggering to the kids I work with, um, you know, what would they do? And so instead of just asking this one question, you help explore that, which is really cool. And then the unhooking aspect is definitely something that I don't think is really taught um, with a general like ERP therapist necessarily. I, I don't think we talk about how to cope with intrusive thoughts except for um, maybe poking back at them, which is a little bit of unhooking, I think. So there's, there, I think there's some overlap that maybe some ERP therapists aren't realizing that they're doing because mm -hmm. I talk about mocking it or making fun of it. But yes. um, I, like, I like the word unhooking. I like the concept of it. And I think it, it's nice to give kids more tools during exposures too. So, okay, that was a very helpful run through of like a, an example. Yeah, can I add a little bit? I think the reason why I usually do, you know, there are so many ways of doing act. But for me, I usually do three experiential exercises because by nature, um, we are socialized to say the right things, right? For example... Yeah about psychologists if someone asks us okay so why do you shrink the classic response is because i'm all about helping people right uh, and it is true definitely we have that in our heart but also there are other things that move us it's just yeah. how we have been socialized we have been sad to say that thing we stay there so yeah. when we ask questions directly about what's important to you we're going to get that more learned response mm -hmm. so do more experiential things and they doesn't have to be you know hundreds of things i usually do two or three you know values exercises it's very different because people actually start thinking more you have more flexibility and you really have incredible conversations with the teens it just blows my mind that things i move them 
And for them, you will see their eyes get very shiny. They get very excited. They are excited about having a homework to actually do a research about this particular uh, soccer player they like or baseball player and then tell me about that. And then anchoring the treatment creates a very different conversation. So that's yeah. values. I think it's better to do it more like an exploration versus a, this direct question. Yeah, and that's a good point because I do feel like you're right. Kids will just give you the, that generic response initially if they have a response at all and, and doing multiple exercises to really figure out what is, what is their meaty passion is, is cool. I like that. Okay, yeah. so what exercise did you want to do? Okay, so maybe we can do one of these diffusion exercises that I do with a lot of my clients, children, teens, and adults. And just to give you a background, when we do these exercises, it's not with the purpose of getting rid of the obsession or get rid of the fat or the annoying stuff that happens under our skin. It's just really making the room to have the fat or having this feeling without getting consumed by it, without getting cooked by it. Um, so that, that's a little bit the background of this, right? Um, if I can, if I can tell a little bit more about that, if it's okay, if you were be in the ocean and you are the captain of a ship and you see this huge storm coming, right? Um, the thing to do is you drop the anchor. When you drop the anchor, that doesn't make the storm go away, but it helps the ship to be stable and to be grounded a little bit. So it can handle better the storm without making it worse. So all the skills that I'm teaching the, um, the kids and my clients that we're going to be doing are with a purpose. It doesn't make the discomfort go away, but it helps us to be grounded so we can handle much better without making things worse for ourselves. Yeah. Okay. So on that note, um, I'm just going to do a mini exercise of the fusion. So if it's okay, I'm going to invite you to sit as comfortable as possible. Um, if you feel comfortable, so please close your eyes and you can focus in one single uh, point in the room. Make sure your back is straight, but not necessarily tight. And for a couple of moments, I'm going to invite you to pay attention to your breathing. And as we have been doing, just do the best you can to Go back to your breathing. If there is any thought coming up, just say thought. And just gently go back to pay attention to the quality of your breathing. You can notice the rhythm of your breathing. You can notice the temperature of the air coming into your body. If you notice any sensation showing up, any feeling coming, you just can simply say feeling or sensation to yourself. I just go back to pay attention to your breathing. And in the next couple of moments, I am going to invite you to bring into your mind any moment of stuckness you may have had with your teen or with your child because they were dealing with some anxious episode. It doesn't have to be that perfect moment, but just see if you can bring into your mind one of those moments when you were stuck, when you felt ultra stressed. And see if you can bring them into your mind as vivid as possible. You can notice the colors of that particular situation, maybe the sounds, the words that were said. 
Maybe there were particular smells in that situation. But say for a couple of moments, you can hold into your mind that moment of stuckness, the tough moment you had with your kid or with your teen. And as you hold into that, notice what, your mind, what does your mind do? Does your mind tell you anything about yourself as a mom, as a dad, as a caregiver? Does your mind tell you anything about your kid or your teen? Our minds are constantly chatting, 24 hours, seven days a week, non-stopping. And in those moments, quite likely your mind was going on and on and on. Stuff about what you're supposed to do, stuff about what you're supposed to say. But also maybe your mind was telling you so many stories about who you are as a parent, who you are as a caregiver. See, for a couple of moments, you can identify one of those stories that your mind has been telling you over and over about who you are as a caregiver, who you are as a parent. And just notice for a couple of moments how it feels to hold onto that story, into that narrative. Sometimes the mind may say things, I'm losing my mind, I'm a bad parent, I'm messing up with my kid, I'm crazy for doing this, what's wrong with me? And as you continue to know these, some of those stories that your mind is telling you about you as a parent or caregiver, see for a couple of moments, we can imagine that you're driving on the freeway. And as you're driving, there is a bunch, bunch of billboards on the left, on the right side of the freeway. And this time, and as you continue driving, Every time you see a billboard, the billboard has print those thoughts that your mind is telling you about yourself, about who you are as a parent, who you are as a caregiver. So if you can imagine that, but you're driving on the freeway and you see all these billboards, but the billboards have all these thoughts that your mind has been telling you about who you are as a parent, who you are as a caregiver. And you may even imagine that the billboards have also all those thoughts you have about your kid. Just for a couple of moments, see if you can hold into this image. There is no right or wrong way of doing this exercise. If your mind is telling you, I cannot do this, I'm not doing this right, imagine that thought as printing the billboard, as it will be another app that we are looking at. Just notice how it feels to be watching the thoughts, to be looking at those stories that your mind tells you. Notice the difference between looking at them versus doing something with them. And 
I'm going to invite you now to let go of this image and just gently go back to pay attention to your breathing again. If there is any thoughts showing up about this exercise, just notice that you can say thought and just go back again to pay attention to your breathing. You can even wiggle your toes to bring yourself back into the present. And just notice again how it feels breathing in and breathing out. And just really allow yourself to be present in this moment as it is. Notice any urges that you may have right now to do something, to take action. But see if we can notice that urge for what it is, as something that our body is sensing right now, but not as something that we have to act on. And I'm going to invite you to take five deep and slow breaths. Really paying attention to your breathing. And if your eyes were closed, you're welcome to open them now and bring yourself back into our conversation. Thank you. You're welcome. So, so the purpose of that is to unhook, right? Yes. You want yes. to talk about what that exercise is doing for parents? Yes. So one of the things that happens is that I think parenting is extremely hard. I have nothing but respect for all what parents go through. I think it's one of the hardest things that when you love your kids so much, then you see your kid being in distress because of the obsession, because they are scared, because they're angry. And of course, as parents, you want to do everything you can to, to help your kid. The challenge is that sometimes there are effective behaviors and there are not so effective behaviors. We make it hard. But also on top of that, the mind tells you all types of things. The mind sometimes tells you very nice things like I'm doing great. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I have this you know, on, on, under control. But also the mind tells you terrible stories. My gosh, I suck. Am I abusing my kid? Am I being too tough? Am I damaging my kids, right? So sometimes when the parents I work with, they come to my office, they close the door and they say, Dr. Z, I'm losing my mind. I don't know what's happening. So I think that it's really, really hard not only to raise a kid that has anxiety, parenting is hard. Raising a kid with anxiety is extra harder. But also dealing with a mind that doesn't stop and goes on and on and on and tells you all types of criticizing, judging, blaming things makes it ultra harder. And sadly, sometimes we take every single thought too serious. We get hooked on the mind, right? Like if I think I'm a bad mom, maybe I will stop, you know, um, I will stop spending so much time. Or I will actually cover myself with a blanket in my bathroom, right? I won't actually take any of your classes because I already think that I'm a bad parent, right? Um, so the idea with this exercise and to know this that we don't have to take action on those thoughts that I can have the thought 
whatever the story is about myself as a parent or caregiver or the story about my kid, I can learn to watch the fat as a billboard, as an advertisement that is printed there, and I can keep driving. Now, this is not something that happens 24 hours. It's a skill to practice, as many skills you have to just rehearse over and over. But what we try to do is create this separation between what the mind tells you and acting on it. Right? The idea is just to watch all those thoughts, the stories that the mind tells you about you as a parent, about your kid, um, and then watch them without doing anything. So that's a little bit the idea behind this diffusion and hooking exercises. Yeah, I like that. Because I think um, to be an effective parent who's raising a child with anxiety or OCD, and obviously I get this on a very raw level, it is about detachment, I think, on some level. To detach yourself not only from what's going on with your child in that moment, but also from your own emotions and those negative things that are happening. And to, I like observing them. I thought that was a really good exercise. So people can save this. They can rewind that um, and listen to that and do that when they need to because that's kind of a gift to the audience to be able to have that guided exercise when they're feeling a little overwhelmed to detach from those negative thoughts and, and just observe them and have them and you're driving and you're watching them go. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And just if I can add, there are so many images that people can use, right? Like you can imagine that you're looking at the computer and there are windows popping up, right? You know these windows that pop up, go to Hawaii, go to Bahamas? <laughs> but imagine that the windows pop up and it says, I'm a bad parent, right? Oh my gosh, I'm losing my mind. So that also is another way to practice watching or bubbles coming out of a bubble of champagne or subjects of an email or titles of books, right? So you can use all types of images you want, but the core thing is to just watch them without doing anything and notice how it is. Yeah, I, I like that. I like the different imagery. I like the bubbles. I think I like the bubbles the best. Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk about your book. Your book is coming out in December and it's called Act Workbook for Teens. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And that'll be on Amazon, I'm guessing, and wherever books are sold probably. Yeah, thank you so much for asking about it. I'm super excited about putting this book out there because I do think that we need more tools to help the teens and the families dealing with OCD um, because of the things that we already talked, the lack of motivation, how sometimes kids receive actually not effective treatments and they have a bad experience. So my book is called The Act Workbook for Teens with OCD. Um, and hook yourself and live your life to the full. Um, that's the idea. Uh, it's going to be selling Amazon, and it has over 50 worksheets with very hands-on exercises that the teens can do. They also have uh, cool illustrations that are very teen-friendly. They were done by this person, Louise Gardner, in London. She does a lot of graphic design and illustration, so it's very teen-friendly. And when I was working in that workbook, actually, I showed that the workbook to some of my clients, uh, some of my clients of teens, so they gave me the input about what works and what doesn't, right? So it has a lot of that input. It's really cool. And I also have, um, because with the publishers, you have a limited number of pages, right? I haven't had a chance to add everything, but I do have an extra resource for awareness exercises. I have a PDF for 12 awareness exercises that the kids can do in their own. 
and they are from doing exercises with the eyes closed, right, to actually doing a drawing or listen to a song that of their favorite music and then just write what they feel about it, right? I think it's it's full of tools so they can really practice the skills and hooking and just watching things as they come. Okay. So I love that. Now with that um, awareness exercise PDF, would that work for kids with anxiety as well? Or is it primarily for OCD? Yeah, it will work for any kid that has any type of fears, worries, anxiety, whether that's OCD or not. It can also be good for the parents or for any adult that really want to practice how to be in the moment. Because if you think about this, right, all this, all these worries, fears, and the yucky stuff that we have, take us away from what's happening, right? We're still living in our head and not in life. So these awareness exercises can be used for every person that wants to practice how to bring yourself back into the present. I love that. So I will leave a link to get your free PDF, which is a list of awareness exercises that you can do with your kids or with yourself, because I think... Um, you work with kids, teens, and adults, and so um, and I know you have a workbook coming out for adults in the next year as well. She's like prolific with her writing, <laughs> so, <laughs> so definitely check that out and grab the PDF. And you can text me at four four two two two, and if you just text Doctor Z PDF, I will send you the link so that you, if you're driving or doing the dishes, and you're like, wait, wait, what's that link? Don't worry about it. Just text me 44222 and just talk, uh, Dr. DRZ PDF and all one word. And then I will just send you the link so that you don't have to worry about going onto my website or looking in the show notes. But if you are on the computer, you can look in the show notes and there'll be a link there for you as well. So is, where else can people find you these days? That's a great question. I have my... Um... I don't do too much Facebook, but I do a lot of Twitter. I have the Behavior Therapist account. Uh, my practice is called the East Bay Behavior Therapy Center. And I am going to be putting a lot of resources out there, online resources for children, teens, and adults dealing with OCD and anxiety. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, if you are in California, if you are in the Bay Area, by all means, it's easy to find me there. Online, Twitter is the best way. Because What's I think your Twitter handle? Behavior therapist. Really? You got behavior therapist? <laughs> I know. Wow. It's a little bit boring. for millions of dollars. <laughs> I know. It's a little bit boring. I should have something more funky. Uh, no, but- I'm surprised you're able to get that. That's like a vanity plate that, like... That's like John. <laughs> I know, it's hard, it's hard. And I am starting um, an account on Instagram because I like to be doing some visual things. So you're also more than welcome to follow me there. That one is called Act Beyond OCD. Okay, uh, Act Beyond OCD on Instagram and Behavior Therapist. Yes, on Twitter. On Twitter. And then I will leave a link to your practice. If you're in um, Northern California, definitely check her out because I want to go see her. She sounds awesome. Okay. And you can text me for the free PDF and grab that those awareness exercises, which should be great while you're waiting for the book to come out in December. And I know that you are also creating some new things I am hearing. You're going to create some online classes for adults who are struggling and who are going to use ACT. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Thank you so much, Natasha. One of the things that has happened in my career is that I, I listen a lot to my clients. Um, so my clients, I start writing because my clients say, Dr. Z, 
do you have any handouts? How can we actually have more handouts of our work? So I start writing workbooks because of that. Then my clients say, Dr. Z, I realized that after we're done with therapy and now I see you every six months, right, or once a year, sometimes it's helpful for me to have like a refresher of the work that we have been doing. And also because I think it's hard for people to get access to research-based skills about how you can overcome OCD or anxiety in general. So this year, yes, I'm working in this um, online class for adults dealing with OCD, and it's all based on ACT. Um, because I think we need to have different options to help people. One size doesn't fit all. Those are old models. Times are changing and people learn in different ways. So my online class is going to have um, 10, um, 10 sessions, basically 10 models. It's all going to be on a skills base. From the book I am working on that is going to be released next year, an ACT OCD book for adults. But also I'm adding different stuff about how to handle OCD in a work setting, how to handle OCD and relationships, how you're going to tell your partner if you have OCD or not, right? Or how to handle OCD and trauma, how to handle OCD and depression. Because most of my clients, some of them, they only struggle with OCD but also that is trying with depression, with trauma, with emotion regulation. So I'm adding whole two sections on that, how to handle OCD and any other struggle you're dealing with. It's all a skills-based, it's all research-based. That's going to be so helpful because if it's anything like your workbook, like your workbook for teens is you just pick it up and it's a no-brainer. It's super simple. It's, it's not heavy reading it's very light and it's, it's very concrete and it will just walks kids right through what they need to do. I mean, I can literally hand that book to a child and just say, do a couple of exercises, come back, we'll talk about it and then do the next ones. Cause it is, it is so good and all encompassing, really good for therapists to have in their office too. And I think it's important for adults to have too. I love the way that you're talking about OCD in different areas of their life. How does it interact with trauma? How does it interact with parenting? How does it interact with depression, you know, all these different things. And I think that's gonna be really helpful. A lot of the parents that I work with, they need to put the oxygen mask on themselves first. They need to take care of themselves. You can't help your child if your OCD is not in check. I have so many parents that I work with where I'm triggering their OCD when they're in my office because I'm working with their child and their child is doing exposures and um, working through their things and the parent hasn't put their oxygen mask on and they're struggling. So you are a fantastic resource for parents to go get their own support, take care of yourself. And I will also leave a link if people want to get on your email list so they can hear about when your new parenting book comes. I mean, not parenting book. I'm all about parents. <laughs> your new grown up, your, your grown up, <laughs> your adult book comes out. Um, and also when your new online classes come out. So if you want to keep up with Dr. Z and hear about all the new exciting things she's brewing, check out the link below if you're watching this or in my show notes so you can get on her email list and she can keep you abreast of what's been going on. So thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Natasha, thank you so much for having me. And I have to say that I'm so appreciative and impressed with how much you're helping many families and many parents. Um, I think it has been such a treat to bump into you. And for everyone, I discovered Natasha through her work. Actually, I was going online and that's how I was like, oh my gosh, what is she doing? Um, 
And I became a big fan because I think you're thinking outside the box of what most, most shrinks are doing. I think you're really disseminating so much more online that anyone is doing in that community. And you do it from your heart. And you really, I think, strive to create materials that are helpful to people. I love to see your classes. I love to see the mini-series you do. And they are so helpful. When I send the links to the families I work with, they get it because it's hands-on, it's clear, it's jargon-free. So I have nothing but tons of respect and feel so grateful that you make the room to have me in your show. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the kind words. Thanks for coming on. We'll have to see you again when the book comes out. Looking forward to it. Thank you again. And thank you, everyone. All right. Take care. Bye. Well, I hope that you found that podcast interesting and helpful. I think it's really good to look at different tools that we can use with our kids to help them with their OCD, you know, that we can use exposures and ERP. And also we can add ACT to our toolbox as parents, not just therapists, to better uh, give a well-rounded way of approaching OCD. There's components of ACT that are not included in ERP. I like looking at the child's intentions and looking at their values and looking at what they enjoy in life and focusing on the positive. I love all that. And uh, Dr. Z was actually kind enough to stick around and she did an extra exercise for those in the AT parenting community. So she talks about how to use ACT to get out of that vicious OCD loop. So what to do when your child keeps asking for reassurance and you feel like you're getting hooked in to their OCD, how can you use ACT as a parent? So she did one very cool exercise in our episode here on how to kind of pay attention to your own stuff that's coming up when you're dealing with your own child and their struggles. And we took it one step further in this next exercise. So I just want to let members know to go to atparentingcommunity.com. And if you go to the expert spotlight button at the top, you will find her exercise and just look for Dr. Z and her exercise. So I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, I love when people hit a star on iTunes or wherever they consume their podcast, just to let me know how it's going and to give some feedback. And if you have an extra few minutes, if you can just write a review on how the show has helped you, I greatly appreciate it. If you want more information about Dr. Z, you can always go to her website, as she said, and you can check her out at East Bay Behavioral Therapy Center. I'll leave all her links down below in the show notes. Hope you have a fantastic day and don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care.